Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast. It's a weekly podcast, and it's on behalf of Chapter 49 of NTEU. We represent most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I am a retiree, and I do volunteer work for Chapter 49 in the realm of communications. Uh, So I want to welcome our chapter president, Duncan Giles, back to the podcast once again. You know something, Duncan, you and I started this almost a year and a half ago with the idea of trying to uh, get some information across and just talk about what we do every week uh, to people in the state of Indiana. And if other people want to you know, listen in or watch, that's fine. We've grown. I mean, I've looked at our statistics. <laughs> people are listening to this all around the country. It is quite a surprise to me. Well, we put out good information. It's timely and people want to know what the heck is going on, which is what our sole purpose is. So if people beyond the state of Indiana get something out of this, absolutely great. And speaking of our members here in Indiana, you do something on a regular basis. You field questions from our membership all throughout the state of Indiana. And every now and then you get an inquiry outside, but mostly people who are members of our chapter. And uh, we have decided that you receive so many questions and provide so many answers. We will not put any names to the questions, but we're just going to pick out a few questions you receive during a week's time and highlight them, the question asked by the member, and your answer to that. So we'll do this at the end of this podcast and on any podcast where we have enough questions to actually uh, get some answers. So we'll... We'll be doing that here at the end of this podcast. I don't know if we'll go 30 minutes this time or more because we have so much to discuss. It's funny how so many times as we record this podcast, we're recording roughly 1 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday, which is the 28th day of October. We always seem to have news breaking all the time while we're (laughs) recording. And at the time we are recording this, there has been an announcement of an apparent agreement in the Congress. I say apparent because it's not clear. It's all done. (laughs) And uh, I don't want anyone to be confused if they think there's a a bill out there to be voted upon uh, on infrastructure. I think there may be on infrastructure, but on the the second reconciliation bill, what they call human infrastructure, I guess. Uh, That was the part that was under negotiation. Uh, What everyone is saying that there has been an agreement to a framework that's a big change or difference from having a bill written down. There is no bill written down. The president is going to leave for Europe for a big international meeting, and uh, he's already announced that there's a, an agreement on a framework. That does not mean there is an agreement on the language of a bill yet. That does not exist at, as we speak at this time. The one encouraging thing we saw, and I saw this uh, on a update that was posted on the Washington Post website right before we recorded this, is that within the language of this framework is $400 billion more for IRS enforcement. Now, we don't know if that's in one year, five years, 10 years. We just know that number is somewhere in that framework. So we don't have any more details than that. Uh, If you want more, we'll be watching what our national union has to say. You can always subscribe to the email uh, that's these emails that are sent out uh, by the National NTEU Union. If you are a member, just go ahead and register at nteu.org. You can also follow or like our Facebook page here at Chapter 49. Just go to Facebook and and try and, and just uh, search for 
NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana. Make sure you put that Indiana at the end. Search there. That's our Facebook uh, page. You can sign up for the news feed. We will also make every effort to uh, pass along information we get on what's happening with this framework of a bill. Again, nothing's passed. We don't even have language, but we do have a framework. So, Duncan, any, any thoughts along those lines? Well, when you say a framework, what immediately left to mind is, yeah, we've got a frame of a house, but there's a little bit more that needs to be done. You know, drywall, <laughs> brick, whatever. You know, there's there's a whole bunch more that needs to be filled in. And that's the way that I'm looking at it. I think it's a, uh, a very good sign that the additional money for the IRS is in there as one of the ways to pay for this uh, human infrastructure bill. That'll go under the reconciliation process for those of you that are Congress geeks like Larry and myself. Um, but it's it's one of those things that everybody that's listening to this or viewing this podcast knows we need more hiring. We need more people. We're not getting everything done, close to everything done that we need to be doing, whether it's enforcement, examination, on the phones, helping people in TAS. We need more people to do this work. And this is a great way for us to get more people to do the work that we should be doing for the American taxpayer. So I think it's a good start. And not only uh, will IRS have a role to play in any, you know, efforts to fund uh, whatever's in this bill, IRS is also going to be in charge of administrating the many tax provisions that will be in there to help people. Some are already in place, some will be extended, and there will be other changes. So, you know, once again, uh, at least we'll have some money in order to administer some of this. That sometimes happens, uh, sometimes it doesn't happen when new programs are, are rolled out. So we're watching that very carefully. And uh, with something else we have been watching carefully for many weeks is the vaccine mandate. We have a vaccine mandate that has been issued by presidential executive order for some weeks now. Uh, we're beginning to hit deadlines. So uh, I think uh, an update from you, Duncan, on where all the vaccine mandate situation would stand at this point. Okay, here's what I've heard from a couple of different sources. Um, and I expect everything that I've heard is pretty rock solid. I've been hearing this message consistently over the past 24 to 36 hours. So this is this is what I'm hearing, and this is what I believe is going to be happening. They are going to be placing a huge emphasis to start with on making sure that your vaccination status is up to date in HR Connect. If you haven't updated your status, whether you've been vaccinated in the process of being vaccinated or not vaccinated in HR Connect, do so now. Not doing so can lead to insubordination. And they're looking at that hard and they'll be doing that. Now, what we're hearing is that starting on September, September, starting on November the 9th, they are going to be sending out emails to people who are either A, not on HR Connect yet, which is probably going to be a totally different email, but B, those that are not vaccinated or in the process of vaccinated, wanting to know what their status is, wanting to know what they've done, are they getting vaccinated, that they need to do this immediately. I'm hearing that there'll be about a five-day period where people will be able to 
get the process started, making sure that they've gotten the shot, you know, whatever the first shot, second shot, um, the one shot from J&J, whatever it is. If that doesn't happen, then shortly after that five days, they're going to be looking at a proposed three-day suspension. And once they get this proposed three-day suspension, and again, this is all for people who've not put in a reasonable accommodation. That's a totally different topic that I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. But this is all for people with no reasonable accommodations in. Once that three-day suspension is up, and it can be appealed, um, but that, to be honest, is going to be very tough to win. If you do not have this done by the end of that three-day suspension, they're going to be looking at, in December, to start the process of terminating people. And it doesn't matter whether you're bargaining unit, non-bargaining unit, whether your manager is a friend that you think will protect you, not happening. This is all going to be done at a very high level. And it's going to be, I would assume, I would assume uniform. So you want to make sure, you know, this, this is serious stuff, folks. I can't emphasize this enough. I've heard this from more than one source. It's been very consistent. This is how it's going to roll out for people that have not put in a reasonable accommodation. And one thing that I would like to point out, and I, I saw a comment from a member, high-ranking member of the White House staff, I think maybe even the Safer Workforce, I don't know it was in congressional testimony or another public event, and he was quoted uh, just, again, this happened right before we uh, b- began to record this, saying that the uh, federal uh, agencies should show flexibility with their employees as far as getting the the vaccination, that they're very much, they being the management or the, the agency heads, should be um, educating people, making sure they have the proper encouragement to get to vaccination. Uh, I think when they say flexible, they're willing to flex, be flexible to a certain point. And that's your point I think you were trying to make, that every effort will be given to people who really say, okay, I want to get the vaccination, I haven't had it yet. Uh, you'll you'll be given flexibility, like if you're you don't have time to get your first and second shot before the deadline. Some management officials may allow you, may if you get permission, to get that first shot, and then if it's a two shot situation with Moderna or Pfizer, they are going to want proof that you got that second shot. Uh, so I mean, there are some the flexibility is there. It's only to educate, to encourage people. But if the vaccination isn't done. That's when the heavy hand comes down. Of course, the other side of that coin is the one you uh, also alluded to, which are reasonable accommodations, which people already should have in. If not, you should get them in right away, as I think you've been urging all along. Um, But I I think we are still a little bit unclear on the criteria that will be used for, especially the sincerely held religious belief. We have some factors that the management will consider i know they're going to put you as the uh, applicant of the reasonable accommodation through the ringer in terms of all kinds of very uh, difficult to answer questions a whole less string of them that you or whatever uh, official of your religious organization will be required to give to the management so this will not be an easy process it certainly is available to you but do you have any particular thoughts now with on this whole issue of reasonable accommodations Yeah, I think the medical accommodation, reasonable accommodations are going to be pretty clear cut. Um, From my understanding, there are a few hundred of those already in. 
Um, and basically what they're talking about is, okay, what does your medical professional say? Why can't you get the vaccine or why can't you get it right now? And a medical professional is going to be pretty specific in that. Um, this may go under review from Federal Occupational Health, um, who does the uh, medical issues for the IRS. But I don't believe that there's going to be a whole lot of um, confusion or uh you know, people not knowing about that one. It's it's pretty cut and dried. Either your medical professional has been very specific in saying this is why, and if not, they may have to have a conversation with the folks from FOH. Um, it's it's going to be the religious accommodations, I think, that's going to be confusing uh, to everyone. And they're going to need to be very consistent. And every source that I've had, and and I've reached out, during this whole process, and especially the last couple of days, what are you hearing about the uh, reasonable accommodation for religion? Nobody has an answer for that. I don't know who's working on this at 11-11, but they're not talking, so we don't know what it's going to be. We do know, as Jim Bailey alluded to in his, what I call, master class on our podcast, did an absolutely wonderful job talking about this. It's a much lower standard uh, than medical for what the IRS has to meet. So, and the other thing is reasonable accommodation, what's reasonable for the employer, what's reasonable for the IRS. So what you think is reasonable and what you want may absolutely not be what the IRS is going to propose as a reasonable accommodation. Right now, I'm hearing that about 82% of the workforce, BU and NBU, are totally vaccinated. I've heard that another three to 4% are in the process of having, you know, basically gotten the first shot already out of two shots. So we're looking at roughly right now, 85% that are going to be, um, you know, in, in good shape. This could affect potentially up to 15% of our workforce. And that goes from executives on down. So again, I, I, hate to keep emphasizing this, but folks, you can either be on the train or be under it. And being under it is not the best place to be right now. And as some people maybe didn't pick up on his reference to 1111, that is 1111 <laughs> Constitution <laughs> Avenue. That's the headquarters of Internal Revenue Service on Constitution Avenue, which is uh, just a few blocks from the White House on the way to Capitol Hill. So, uh, that's what he's talking about there, and that's where the big decisions are made in that that building there, and uh, along right not too far from the the Treasury Building in Washington D.C. Um, so there's a lot to consider there. Vaccine mandate is still there. The vaccine mandate is um, is something that everyone needs to pay attention to. If you have uh, if you've already been vaccinated and you've verified that on HR Connect, uh, you shouldn't have any issue. If it's anything other than that, uh, you need to be very careful how you move from, from here to there. And the deadlines are now looming at this point. Any final thoughts on vaccine mandate before we move on? Yeah, it's just um, it's one of those things where if you if you do have an accommodation, you can put it in. I There's no guarantee that they will take a look at it at this late date. I do know that they have thousands they're going to have to take a look at. They may reach out to you for more information. If they need more information or documentation, um, you know, 
put that in. And I understand, again, this is an issue that makes a lot of people upset that they're not happy about it. I get that. I understand it. But this is the executive order. It is legal, as Jim Bailey talked about and went into great detail on. It's, it's here, and we have to deal with this impact of that. All right. So, uh, well, anything, is there any idea, Duncan, and maybe you don't have an answer. If you don't, that's okay. For the people you've been talking to, you have a lot of contacts throughout the agency and the union. Any idea when those reasonable accommodation decisions will begin to come down? Um, I've heard that they're going to be very streamlined and they're going to want to do this quote quickly, unquote. Now, Quickly for regular people and quickly for the IRS are two totally different things, as I think everybody listening and viewing this knows. Um, But I I do think that this will be expedited. Now, the other part of this is when you fill out the forms that they have. And again, the forms are out there. They're on the, the NTU FAQs are excellent. Very, very good. And I highly recommend those to members. IRS has FAQs. The forms are out there. On those forms, it does say, if your reasonable accommodation is denied, while you are grieving that, they can go forward with disciplinary action. So if you're saying, hey, I've got this and I'm going to you know, say that I've got a reasonable accommodation, I believe in my reasonable accommodation, IRS says no. You've already served a, you know, already had your letter. You've already had your three-day suspension. Now you've got a proposed termination looming. And now they want to set up a, you know, grievance meeting for that. They could, they could terminate you in the time that it takes, proposed termination in the time it takes to uh, grieve that reasonable accommodation. So I just want everybody to be on the same page with that. Yeah, you, this is something we've talked about. Uh, you can't just lengthen the or put the kick the can down the road just by filing for appeal in this case after you've had a decision right. on your reasonable accommodation. We've tried to to make that point. Just just um, I think one of our questions also deals with the uh, vaccination. So we'll uh, move on to another issue for now. Come back to one aspect of it in our mailbag. But one other thing here's, here's the thing that I hear quite often that Congress cannot walk and chew gum at the same time. I actually don't agree with that. I think the more accurate one thing to say is that Congress cannot do more than one thing at a time, <laughs> at least as a whole. I mean, they have little committees doing this and whatever. But as far as actually getting anything done, you know, more than one major thing at a time is difficult. Right now they're putting this framework together. They still have to write the bill on this reconciliation bill for the human infrastructure. That's what they call it. The other infrastructure bill is ready. They're just, the timing of it is tied to each one. So that's why it's all been been delayed. But uh, one bill has not even been written yet. So there's more to, to be done on that. So I bring all that up because in a little more than a month, we will once again uh, have a continuing resolution run out, mean, meaning we're facing another possible government shutdown. And at the roughly the same time, the debt ceiling will be hit, and we can, you know, we have all we've talked about what that would mean in general terms, the economic havoc that would wreak, and we still don't even know for sure how government would pay its bills, which ones, the which bills the government chooses to pay or not pay, who gets to work, who doesn't get to work. It's it's going to be a 
a mass confusion. And the problem, Duncan, is there's been no development on either of those issues yet. You don't hear a darn thing about that. And like you said, Congress is all caught up in doing, you know, the infrastructure issues and things of that nature, which is great. But uh, there are bills that are going to need to be paid come, you know, when the debt ceiling's getting close. And it would be nice to fund the government again. But I'm sure around the Thanksgiving holidays and, you know, with with the uh, end of the year holidays, with Christmas, with, um, you know, whatever holidays there are there, the Congress will be in session the entire time to take care of all these things. I don't care if they're in session as long as they pass a bill. <laughs> but, well, I mean, you know, they'll be there to work because they're all going to stay in D.C. to work through Thanksgiving, through, um, you know, through basically, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, Hanukkah, Christmas, um, you know, Kwanzaa, whatever it is, you know, they're going to be there working all year round for us. They're not going to go home. They're not going to go in recess for a month. So you everything call, will be fine. So you call yourself a congressional nerd and you still say that. <laughs> I, I think, think there's something in my water. Today. T- t- tongue was firmly in cheek the whole time you said that. No, the Congress <laughs> loves their uh, their their uh, their time off. They say it's time to get back to the district, and well, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. And I'm, if they want to take vacations, they're entitled like everybody else. It's just all of these emergencies are hanging out there, so you would certainly hope that work would be done. I think we just need to, to note here that when you're a member of NTEU, part of your dues goes toward funding our outstanding legislative department, which I think is the best in the federal sector, one of the best in any sector. They do great work, and, and they're going to be on Capitol Hill working on this, and, and they're going to continue to press uh, our friends in Congress, uh, and, and even those who are not our friends that will talk to us, that we this needs to get done. So I, it, we want to let yeah, you know. None, that, of, none of our dues goes towards any particular member of Congress. No. It's the staff that's actually talking to them to advocate issues on our behalf. Right. This is legislative. This is uh, lobbying yep. Congress, the staff, and sometimes right. the member itself. This is not politics. <laughs> Right. Politics is exactly. separate. That's um, funding political campaigns. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the legislative work. Our lobbyists, who we do pay, that your dues go to pay the lobbyists who go to Capitol Hill and watch these things, monitor them, talk to members of Congress and their staff. This is not about elections at all. So let me clarify that if anybody's confused. And I'm confused most of the time. So thank you, Duncan. Um, <laughs> uh, anything more on that? No, I think right now, as soon as we have information, we'll, of course, get it out. But right now, there is absolutely nothing on it going on that we've heard. And we're aware of it. We just want you to know we are aware of it, and so is our national staff at NTEU. It's just a matter of, you know, when Congress decides to address it. Uh, One other thing we want to talk about before we get to the mail, Um, the thrift savings plan, one of the great success stories, I think. Uh, in the federal sector in terms of a benefit for federal employees. You know, I was a CSRS employee, one of the last people hired still were under the old CSRS system. And even though I did not get a match, I continue to regularly put money in the TSP, and it's helped me a great deal in retirement. Now the TSP is finally going to come out with a mobile app, which is just another way to to access your account and take certain actions and so forth. And, and they're upgrading some of the electronics in general, the technology that they use. So uh, tell us uh, what's, what's cooking there. Yeah, we just learned that uh, sometime in mid-2022, mid-next year, that they're going to come out finally with a mobile app 
um, you know, thrift savings plan is, you know, doesn't have a huge budget to administer. And that's why the costs are low. And that's one of the benefits of it. But it's not exactly the most responsive system. So now they're going to be updating not just the mobile app, but they're going to have a, you know, 24 seven, basically an artificial uh, intelligence uh, communication tool that people can ask questions and uh, take a more look at their accounts, things of that nature. So it's basically modernizing the thrift savings plan. And that's one of the things I think that they want to do to make sure that the money is not just invested there while you're working, but stays there after you're working. And as I tell each and every person that comes into the IRS, you know, take a serious look at the thrift savings plan because you should be investing 5% in that because the government gives a 100% match up to 5%. And if if you can find another place where you can get a guaranteed 100% return on your money, I would like to know where it is because I, I don't. So that's why I always advocate because this is part of your retirement and it, it can definitely help it grow. Like you said, it comes in very handy. So uh, I think it's very good that they're modernizing some things and updating it. And uh, I think it's a very, very important thing that federal employees need to keep an eye on. When you talk about the costs that are associated with, with retirement savings, there's a man, I don't know if you know who this man is, and his name is John Bogle. John Bogle invented Vanguard, which is one of the lowest cost options for investing for retirement in other ways. It's, it's one of the lowest cost uh, uh, options you have out there outside the TSP. And he was once that John Bogle was asked, uh, what do you think of the TSP? And he says, I only, I only have one problem with the TSP. I can't get into it. <laughs> that was an admission that even he couldn't. Yep. Uh, one of the lowest cost uh, inve- investment vehicles you have is, is in Vanguard, a company he started. And uh, he wished he could get in the TSP. So every federal employee should think about that when you're Sa- saving for retirement. And just to, there are very few uh, old dogs like me, you know, uh, under CSRS anymore. So if you're in thirds, you really do. That's an important part, component of your retirement savings. So, so Absolutely. please, the 5% where you get the match, that's that's just, and you, and you can be conservative if you want with the investments, or you can be more aggressive. You have lots of, of, of options, and there's been discussion of, of increasing the options out there. So um, all things to think about. And it's good to see that they are upgrading their technology, looking at a mobile app and so forth. All right, Duncan, are you ready for the member mailbag? Let's do this. All right. We have three questions, one with more than one part. Here's question number one, and this does relate to the vaccine mandate we discussed at the top. This particular member asked about the impact on those who are terminated due to the mandate. So if you don't follow the mandate, you are terminated because you do not follow the vaccine mandate. What's the implication of that on various uh, parts of of your benefit plan? For instance, health insurance. Could you apply for unemployment and get unemployment under that situation? What are future employers going to see on your work record? Just talk about some aspects of of the impact of being terminated for not uh, taking the vaccine. Yeah, and none of none of these are good. Um, first off is the health insurance. And normally when you're terminated, you have the option to continue your paying your health insurance, but you have to pay the entire amount. The government, you know, right now you pay the employee share 
the government pays their share. You would have to pay both the government and the employee share plus a 2% administrative fee on top of that, which is big. Now, because you would be terminated for basically not following an executive order by not getting the vaccine, uh, there's been discussion that, that you may not even be able to do that, which I would, I would find hard to, hard to believe. I think you'll still be able to do that. But that is a huge, huge increase in what you're paying for health insurance. For unemployment, that's not going to happen. Basically, you are not following an executive order. You're terminated because of that. You're not going to qualify for unemployment. That's not happening. Um, you know, how is it going to impact your future jobs? Anybody who's got a terminated from the federal government, um, I would imagine that employers out there, and I was in management everywhere I was ever at before I came to the IRS, would have some questions about that. They might be understanding about the mandate, but then again, they might not. And I understand right now jobs are plentiful, but you don't know what the job market's going to look like in a year or two. And they're just no good options. If you've not been here for five years, you're not vested. So you're going to lose you know, that part of a chance at a, you know, retirement for that. So there are a lot of things to think about uh, with this vaccine mandate. And I want everybody to do the personal choice that's best for them, their family, and their fellow human beings. So there's no good news, really. If you uh, Let me ask this question, though, just in tandem with that. If you see that termination is on the horizon, maybe you've already been suspended once, can you just resign and move on and not have the termination on your record? What is usually issued at this point is called a uh, resignation, uh, but it will have a termination connotation with it in lieu of termination. Now, you can always resign after the suspension before a, um, a termination is proposed. If you resigned then, yeah, it would just say that you resigned. It would not say that you were terminated or have anything on your uh, SF-50, which is the official form that any personnel actions are notated on. But once, once the termination letter is issued, proposal is issued, uh, then if you do even then resign, it will say in, they've changed this over the last couple of years. It used to be we could get what's called a clean 50. And a clean 50 is basically just says resignation. Uh, that changed a few years ago. We're working to try and get that back. But as of right now, there is no clean 50 if a termination has been proposed. Okay, not much good news there at all. Uh, let's go on to the second uh, question posed to you by a member. Member asked about the mileage rate for reimbursement. There are people who are driving their cars and being reimbursed for that by the government. Uh, we all know that there's been a, a, a major increase in the price of gasoline here in the last several weeks and months, particularly weeks. Uh, there have been times in the past where the mileage rate was upped during the year. The next schedule change would be next year. Um, any uh, scuttlebutt on that? Uh, I think it's a it's an excellent question and a great point because the price of gas has gone up 
and what you would hear from the folks who make this decision at the IRS for the business deduction, which is what we base our mileage rates on, is the fact that gasoline is just one factor of this. You know, it also includes maintenance, yada, yada, yada. Um, I think that that's accurate, but I think gasoline is a very big component of this. And I think it's a little bit late in the year for the IRS to raise this um, for the business deduction and then for the mileage rate for uh, employees. But I have to think that they're looking at raising it uh, for next year, that, that that's got to be a serious consideration just because of the fact that the gas prices have gone up. And I don't think the supply chain issues and the consumption are going to be going down anytime soon enough to make that those gas prices lower, which is what's uh, been causing a bulk of the increase. And correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, IRS does not have the final authority on the reimbursement mileage. They, they just talk, they have, IRS has jurisdiction over the, the mileage deduction on the cents per mile, mileage rate, if you're going to use standard mileage rate. Uh, that's where IRS determines that rate. Uh, usually it's after that's been done that G and I think it's GSA that has yep. jurisdiction over the reimbursement rate some employees get. So that usually, unfortunately, sometimes GSA is a little slow, and we can NTU and some others get on GSA about that. But uh, that is GSA technically slow on something. I'm shocked, shocked to hear that. Yeah, I know. It's especially when it comes to something <laughs> benefiting people. It <laughs> seems to be a slow uh, walk. Our final question on the mailbag, uh, two-part question. It deals with awards. First question about awards. Do we have any any idea when awards will be paid out? We know that where there's a deadline, you can talk about that when it has to be done, but do we have any idea exactly when awards will be paid out this year? Yeah, a couple of years ago, awards used to be, for those who've been around for quite a while, know that awards used to be paid out late September, to late October, somewhere in this time period. Um, IRS, or actually late September uh, was the main benefit. Then the IRS said, we're going to move them and push them into the next fiscal year. And so they have to have it done by the first quarter, which is December 31st. Right now, the word that I'm hearing is um, late November, early December. Uh, so I would yeah, you know, there's no solid date right now, but I'm hearing late November, early December is when they'll be coming out. Okay, so that's a, that, that's a definite maybe on late November, early December. <laughs> that's a pretty strong one right now, but IRS has been known to move things around and change their minds. So I, I you know, I don't want to say that it's a solid. It's it's a pretty solid maybe. Pretty solid, maybe. Okay, it's a little better than a definite, maybe. Okay, there's two parts to that question. Here's the second part. And there have been some changes recently, and maybe this is a good time to clear up the confusion on this. What is the, and not everybody gets these amounts, obviously, but what's the most you can receive in an award in this uh, this, this next uh, go-around? Okay, as part of the new agreement, we came to a um you know, we came to a meeting of the minds. The maximum has been 3500 Because of the fact that we're increasing it to 2% of the pool, that's 2% of the salary of all employees in the pool, that these amounts, you know, you could be, your award should be much higher 
but it was capped at that $3,500. We agreed in, in the national agreement, the new national agreement, that for grade sixes and belows, below, not belows, um, it would be remain at $3,500. For above grade six, it would go to a maximum of $7,000. Now, again, keeping in mind how awards are figured, it's, you know, if you do qualify and it's the top 55% plus ties that qualify in your particular pool, you take your, um, your grade, multiply that by your uh, award, your award, your uh, appraisal score, your overall appraisal score, and that gives you the number of shares. The one thing that we don't know is the share value. But with this 2%, we figured that the share value is going to be pretty decent. So we think that um, it would be tough for, I think, anybody in grade six or below to get more than 3,500. We did the math quite extensively at the table. And they had run that, National NTU had run those simulations uh, several times beforehand. And then um, we think that there will be some that, We'll be getting close, if not hit that $7,000 mark, which for those who have been capped at $3,500 should be pretty good. So we, you know, that was for next year. We've been having discussions nationally with IRS and IRS said, okay, because we're doing 2% this year and, you know, we do have these funds probably, you know, we're, you know, we haven't been traveling, things of that nature that we're going to go ahead and do the raised amounts this year. So the maximum amounts for the awards that will be coming out before the end of 2021, these coming up that I think will be coming out at the end of November, possibly early December will be $3,500 maximum for grade six and below and 7,000 for grade seven and above. Well, that's and this is one of those situations where that uh, this payout coming up is not technically under the new contract, but the old contract, and the management has agreed to use uh, the formula that you came up with in the national agreement. That's that's a positive step. There were there were a lot of towards the end. Once we got together in person, we were able to work on a lot of issues uh, collaboratively, and this was one of those I think that uh, came out of that. Well, I was correct. We are over time. We're about 40 minutes now, so I will give Duncan Giles once once again a chance to give us a final comment. I just want everybody to have, if you're hearing this before Halloween, I hope you have a great holiday. You know, if your kids are trick-or-treating age, have a great time. If you celebrate it, enjoy it. Just please do so safely. And, you know, let's let's get vaccinated, folks. Yeah, the one thing about Halloween, and you know, you you have a young, you have a, you had a daughter, and I have two daughters or twins, and and the stories I can tell you just about the different weather we found on, on Halloween, yeah. <laughs> traipsing through the neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I could, I could, I could probably write a book. I don't think anybody would read it, but I could write a book about that. Duncan Giles is our chapter president. You have just heard him, and that uh, concludes another. 
edition of the Chapter 49 podcast as the theme music blasts out, and that was the producer's fault. That would be me. I want to thank you for listening and watching. It's been a pleasure to talk to you on this podcast for nearly a year and a half now. Uh, so we certainly hope that if you enjoy the podcast, that you will spread the word. You can find it on any podcast platform. Just search under podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N, and you can find it on most platforms. And on YouTube, go to Duncan Giles and subscribe to his uh, YouTube channel. And thank you very much again for watching and listening, and please be safe and be kind. Be kind.